All right, good evening, folks. I hope you're doing well tonight. Are you having a good week? Yeah, I hope so. I want you to take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to Mark chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 35 through 41. If you've been in church any amount of time, you've probably heard this read or you've heard this story, but I want to really um, talk to you tonight about how you can have faith over fear in your life. How you can have faith over fear. So in verse 35, it says, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So the lake being the Sea of Galilee. Uh, so they took, the sea, the, took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. If you don't mind writing in your Bibles, just underline fierce storm right there, okay? That's important. High waves were breaking into the boat. And it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped. and There was a great calm. And he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they ask each other. Even the winds and the waves obey him. One more time, let me pray. Father, in these next few moments, I pray you give me your grace and your anointing and your words to speak to your people. They don't need to hear from me. They need to hear from you. So God, anoint the words you've given me to say as they go forth. Anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive so that you may accomplish your perfect will. And we'll give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have a fear in your life of just anything? Got a fear? Look, here's what your fear is of raising your hands. You're all like this. Seriously, you're literally like this. How many of you, you're not alone. How many of you have a fear in your life? You're afraid of something. There you go. All right, great. All right. Fears are are classified into several different categories. One is fear of animals. That could be spiders, dogs, insects. The other is fear of nature. That could be height. That could be thunder. That could be darkness. There are fears of medical issues. That could be injections, broken bones, anything like that. Uh, There are situational um, fears, which are flying um, or riding an elevator, getting in those close spaces. And then everything else is just considered miscellaneous, and there's just some weird stuff in miscellaneous, all right? But everybody is born with two natural fears, two natural fears. They are the fear of loud noises. That's why most people get startled when they hear loud noises. And the fear of falling. That's why when you have those dreams at night and you wake up and you feel like you're falling and you're just about to hit something, you wake up and you can't go back to sleep, right? Those are the two that everyone is born with. Now, you may grow out of those, but everyone is born with those. Every other fear is learned or conditioned by circumstances. Every other fear is. Now, there are irrational fears that are out there and there are unreasonable fears that are out there. So most of you probably have an unreasonable fear. It's not about falling, and it's not about loud noises. You've got a fear of something, and it's because you've learned that behavior somewhere along the way. So I don't know what yours are. I can tell you. I'll give you a couple of mine. Um, I don't like... um, See, I'm a very strange individual. Okay, you just need to know that right up front. I don't mind heights. I can get on um, a a tall building. I can get on the, the roof of a house or anything like that. 
I don't like climbing a ladder that's really high up, especially one that extends up and it gets a little bouncy along the way. Anybody feel me there? Yeah? Yeah, don't like that at all, at all. Like literally, just like, just get me down somehow, some way from this. Um, I don't like, and I feel very, very, I feel very rational with this. I feel very biblical with this. I do not like snakes at all. Can I get a hallelujah in the house? Listen, it was only about six or seven, no, about eight months ago um, that um, we were moving. We were moving from uh, one house to another. We were downsizing. And the day we were moving, the day of the move, the day that they were, not that they were moving, the day we were listing the house, my real estate agent came over and was putting the sign in the house. And I opened my garage. And when I opened my garage, um, there's, there was a, um, just a, a stand, a little metal stand, because we had taken a lot of the stuff. You know how you do in a house when you're trying to sell it, you want it to look bigger? So you take all your stuff and you put it in the garage so your house looks empty and everybody thinks, well, this is a huge house, right? So my garage is full, cars can't get in there. There is this, there's this stand there, a metal stand, and I look at it and I, I, I see something on it. And I'm like, my kids think they're the funniest things ever. So I walk in the house and I went, which one of you did it? And they were like, what are you talking about? I said, which one of you put the fake snake on the stand out there to scare me? They were like, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, no, no, which one? And I said, come out here right now. I look out, it's still there, but it is not in the same position that it was in. I'm not talking about this snake. I'm talking about this snake. Six foot long, that around, and I just went out to my real estate agent and said, hey, what you doing? And I said, come in here. I said, do you, are you afraid of snakes? And he said, absolutely. So I'm like, well, you can't show a house with a snake in the garage. So I said, all right, well, we got to get rid of the snake somehow, some way. And my son comes out and, you know, he, he walks out and he's kind of like, oh, you know, and I'm like, oh, you're going nowhere, buddy. You're with me. So it's, it's in the summer. Um, and I'm, I'm desperate at this point. I've got on t-shirts, shorts, no shoes, but I'm not letting that snake get anywhere. So I take something and try to get to the snake. And as soon as I start moving towards the snake, the snake slithers underneath all the furniture that's in there. So now it's in my garage. I can't see it. And it's under everything. So now we have to pull all of the furniture, piece by piece, trying to find where this snake is until finally we find it and, and um, we get uh, one of those hard tooth rakes and pull it out. My son's pulling it out and I've got, I don't know what, the, it's, it's a tile scraper, but it, you know what I mean? It, it's straight across. I had a shovel, but it wasn't flat. It was the oval, so it wasn't gonna work. You know? So I get it and I start trying to cut the head off of this snake. I didn't know the thing wasn't sharpened. I'm not cutting anything. I'm just beating the snot out of it. It took me about 10 minutes to kill this snake. The whole time, my heart is beating at such a rate, I feel like I'm going to go into AFib at some point. We finally get the thing out. And then I went in and, um, and I told my wife, Laura, I said, there's a problem. I said, we had a snake, but we got rid of it. She said at the time, she said, that's good because we couldn't sell the house. We we're going to burn it down. <laughs> now, that is an unreasonable, because someone asked me afterwards, 
They said, send me a picture of it. I said, okay. Snapped a picture of it, dangling with his head dangled off. And they said, I don't think that snake is poisonous. And I said, I don't care. And they said, no, 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 you don't want to kill that snake because they kill other stuff. And I went, I don't care. And they said, do you know how to tell the difference in them? I said, no. They said, yeah, it's the, it's the shape of their eyes. And I said, dude, I'm not getting that close to the snake's eyes. I didn't ask for a medical exam here. I realize it's unreasonable. It's unreasonable. Have it. I, to such an extent, I don't fish with worms. Like, mm-mm. That's not a natural fear. It's unreasonable. And yet I have it. And yet you have your own unreasonable fears. The problem with that is the greatest fear that you are going to face is not about a place or something that you've ever, never been or never faced. Do you know the greatest fear you'll ever have is when you come to a place that you are familiar with and yet it feels overwhelming. This is the disciples. These are fishermen. They know everything about the Sea of Galilee. They have been with Jesus, and he has asked them to take the boat and pull it off the shore so that he could teach to the crowds that are sitting on the hillside. In about a year or so, we're going to take another trip to Israel. If you want to go, you can see this where it almost operates like an, an, an amplification system, an amphitheater with the water serving as, as the ability to amplify the teaching as it goes out. And then Jesus, at the end of this, says, take up the anchor, set out. We're not going back to shore. We're going to go to the other side of the lake. They've done this hundreds of times, hundreds of times. But this night is different because on this night, there is a great storm that comes up. They've encountered storms before. They're on familiar territory. And yet this storm is different from any other storm they've ever faced. And the Bible says that they are filled with fear. How do we know? Because Jesus literally asked them, why are you so afraid? Three things I want you to see about fear tonight. Number one is this. Fear is based on the unknown. And it's greatest in the position that you think you're strongest in. What I mean is this, when you're the business owner that everybody turns to for advice, and all of a sudden there's an economic downturn, and you don't know whether your business is going to make it or not, that's more fearful than the person who's never experienced success or not. When you're the parent with the perfect kids, you know, the ones that everybody comes to you and says, how do you get your kids to operate? I, I literally had dinner with some folks uh, years ago, and I watched at the, end of, at the end of dinner, they had small children. At the end of dinner, the kids all got up, took the plates and the, the, and the, the cutlery and the glasses, and they all went and cleared the table and filled the dishwasher. These kids are small, and I'm going, can I send my kids over here for a little while? I mean, when you're, the, when you're that person where you've got the perfect kids and everybody wants to know, how do you do it? And then that child starts to rebel. And everything that has worked in the past doesn't work anymore. When you're the prayer warrior that everybody calls on and you pray for them and that situation works out and that physical illness leaves and healing takes place and then you're faced with your own 
problem, your own illness or the illness of a family member, and all of a sudden, the same prayers that have been meeting needs and seemingly reaching other people are no longer reaching you or your family and you feel ineffective. That is the place where your fear is the greatest. The Bible says in verse 37, but soon a fierce storm came up, high waves breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. That, that phrase, fierce storm, comes from the Greek word seismos. It means, it means it's a seismic event. What it means, it's to such an extent, it's only used twice in the Bible. It's only used here, and it's only used to talk about the earthquake that takes place on the morning of Jesus' resurrection. That's the only time this word is ever used. It is such a dramatic event. It would be used to, to something like this for a hurricane or an earthquake or a tsunami. This is something not usual. This is not a thunderstorm that rolls up. This is a fierce storm, a seismic event that is literally changing the landscape of everything around the disciples. They've experienced storms before, but they've never experienced one like this. But do you know what the biggest problem is here? It's the biggest problem with them, it's the biggest problem with me, and it's the biggest problem with you. The fierce storm outside is not the problem. It's the fierce storm that rises up inside of them that they turn to Jesus and say, we're gonna drown, we're gonna die, this is gonna be the end of us. I pastored a man when I was pastoring in Mississippi. He was an elder in my church served on the elder board, served that church for 30 years. He was facing cancer. I was called over to his house at about two in the morning. Didn't look good at all. And as he was laying on his couch, this man who was a pillar of strength and the pillar of faith, as I talked to him in his final moments, he looked at me and he said, do you think it's enough? And I said, what do you mean, do you think it's enough? He said, do you think it's enough? Do you think it's enough? Do you think I'm going to make it to heaven? And at first I thought, how can you even ask that question? How, how can that even cross your mind? I mean, we talk about grace by faith and what Jesus has done and all of it. But here's what I realized. I had never gotten to that place where I had to put my whole life on the line and say, this is what I believe. I've verbalized it, I've lived it, but in that moment, that man had to say, when I close my eyes, I believe I will open them up and see Jesus. At first, I thought, how could you think that way? And I believe the Lord reminded me, you've never faced what he's faced. And because you've never faced what he's faced, you've never asked the questions that he's asking right now. You don't know what you truly believe until your faith is all you have. You can verbalize it. You can share it. But I'm telling you something. You don't know what you truly believe until your faith is all you have. There are no other remedies. There are no other options. There's no turning back. It's only faith. And until you face a storm you've never seen, you'll never experience Jesus in the way that you will in the middle of a crisis. Fear is based on the unknown. And it is especially heart-wrenching when it's in a place where you thought you were strong. 
The second thing is this. Fear assumes that no one understands what we're going through. Even God. Because we're so focused on the storm, we think God isn't even paying attention to us. In verse 38, it says, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care we're going to drown? Listen, Jesus is in the boat. He's asleep. Jesus is at rest. Jesus isn't concerned. He's not worried. He's not anxious. He's not fretting about anything. And they look at Jesus and say, don't you care? Now, I'm not here to criticize them, okay? Because if we're all honest, we've probably asked that question verbally or in our head before. God, don't you care right now? But here's the irony of their situation and my situation and your situation. Jesus is in the boat. He's resting. Storm's brewing. It's everywhere. Don't you care? What did they want him to do? Get up with them. Get up and walk around worrying, trying to take some water and throw it out of the boat with them? Don't I want to serve a God who is at rest in my problems instead of one who is fretting alongside of me? But we get that mixed up so many times. We accuse God of not caring. Fear causes us to think that God is just sitting idly by while we're struggling. But the reality is Jesus lived a life just like you and I have to live. And he experienced everything you and I have to experience. Every fear that you feel tried to come on Jesus but couldn't have him. Every emotion, every temptation, every circumstance, every pain that you feel, Jesus understands those. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 34 and 18 that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Isaiah 42 and 3 says, A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering candle he will not put out. God understands every emotion you feel right now, every emotion that you will ever feel, and he's already overcome it. He understands you. He knows you. Others may not understand you, but God knows you completely. And just because God isn't acting in the way that you want him to act in the time that you want him to act doesn't mean that he's sitting, sitting idly by. God may look to be at rest, but he is still in control. And his purpose is greater than you can ever imagine. When Jesus tells the disciples, launch out a little further. We're going to go to the other side. He's taking them to a new place where he's going to show them a new level of ministry. They've been over here ministering all this time. And they've witnessed everything Jesus has done. But now he says, I'm taking you to another place. And when you get over there, you're going to experience something you've never experienced. Here's the issue. You can't go from here to there without crossing over. And when you cross over, inevitably, you're going to face some storms. But what they didn't know is this. They were going to see something about Jesus they'd never seen before, but they were going to see something about God and see what Jesus is going to do on the other side. On the other side is not the Jewish people. It is not the Israelites. These, on the other side, are Gentiles. These are what they would consider pagans over there. And Jesus, as they cross over to the other side, they will meet a demon-possessed man that Jesus will cast the demon out. And in that moment, that man will go to 10 different cities on the pagan side of the Sea of Galilee, places the disciples would have never set their foot and see the gospel spread in ways that would never have happened had they not gone to the other side. When you think Jesus doesn't understand where you are, he knows exactly where you are. 
He knows exactly where he's taking you, and he knows exactly the purpose on the other side that you'll get to see, but only after you pass through the storm. The third thing is this. Storms force us to make a choice regarding what we believe. Nobody likes storms. I have never met anyone who has said, oh God, please send me a storm today. We pray prayers to avoid storms. But storms are the only way you really know what you believe. I can read it. I can teach class on it. But what I really believe is found in the times where I have to put my faith on the line. I told you all before, this stuff is easier to preach than it is to live. But it's only in the storms where you figure out what you truly believe. Verses 39 through 41, it says, When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the disciples were terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. When he says, do you still have no faith? The the best way to translate that is, do you still not fully believe? Because they've seen him. They've seen him heal blind eyes. They've seen him heal deaf ears. They've seen him make lame people walk. They've seen him make people who could not speak be able to speak again. They've seen him feed 5,000 people. 5,000 people with just a small lunch. Not only 5,000, on another time he feeds 4,000. One to the Israelites and one over to the Gentiles to show that God's grace and his mercy extends to both. They've seen him do this over and over again. They've literally seen him raise dead people to life again. But what they have never seen, they've never seen his power over nature. They believe he can do anything when it comes to a person. But it's hard for them to conceive that he can have power over nature. Listen, until you can say, you, you can say that God is supernatural, super means over, he is over nature, but until you see his power, until you know his power, and you never see that until you face a storm, God will intentionally take you places whether you either depend on yourself or you depend on him. You say, I don't like that. You have to find out what you truly believe. It's the reason he asked Abraham to be willing to sacrifice his son. What do you truly believe? Do you really love me or do you love my blessing? Over and over again. When he tells David to go out and fight the giant, But don't take the armor of Saul. Go out and do it the way that I have taught you all these years with just a sling and a stone and trust me in this. You never know what you believe until you finally face a storm and a storm causes you to choose what you believe. The word terrified in verse 41 
literally means to be stricken with awe. So when it says the disciples were absolutely terrified, they're not terrified of the storm anymore. They're terrified of Jesus. And I don't mean like in a horror story way. It means they are filled with inexplicable awe and wonderstruck by who he is. And they said, who is this? Even the wind and the waves, they obey him. Here's the difference. When they see the storm, they're filled with fear because of the magnitude of their problem. When they see Jesus overcome the storm, they're filled with awe and wonder because they see the magnitude of his power. They move from, they move from this. They move from, have you ever seen a storm like this? To have you ever seen Jesus like this? Two different things. You'll never know how big Jesus is until you need him to show up so big in your life that without him, you will utterly fail. Fear focuses on the problem. Faith focuses on the problem solver. And his name is Jesus. The disciples had a choice. You have a choice. The storms may be raging all around you, but Jesus is right there. They chose at first to focus on the storm. They then turned to Jesus. And here's the beautiful part. They really didn't even have good faith. They look at Jesus and say, don't you care that we're going to drown? Can I just tell you something? You don't need perfect faith. You just need to turn to Jesus. He already knows what you need. He's already at rest in your circumstances. So when you're in a storm, I want you to remember three things. It's not up here. You can write them down. Remember that Jesus is with you. Remember, you get to choose what you focus on. You can focus on the storm. You can focus on him. And remember this. If Jesus can rest in my greatest storm, then I can rest in Jesus. That's why Jesus said, come to me. All you who are weary, weighed down, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Do you realize he's just offering you a trade? Come to me. I'll take the heaviness and the things that are weighing you down, and I'll let you give those to me, and I will give you something light. It's why the Bible tells us to cast all our cares on Jesus because he cares for you. In the seat back in front of you, there are some little note cards. I want you to take one of those. They look like this. They just have Mount Perry North and it's got some lines on it. Take one of those, please. If you don't have one in front of you, just raise your hand and we'll get one to you. Here's all I want you to do. I don't want you to put your name. I don't want you to put anything that identifies you. I just want you to write down what's the biggest fear, what's the biggest storm, what's the biggest area 
that you're having trouble trusting Jesus with? What's the place where you wonder, does God see me? Does he care? What is it? And in one or two words, you don't have to get so specific, one or two words, write it on here. And when you finish writing that, in a few moments as an act of faith, we're gonna bring those down here. And we're gonna drop those burdens and give them to Jesus. And let him speak, not only to the storm, but to your heart, your mind, and your soul. When he says, peace, be still. Take it right now. In just a moment, I'll have you come up and bring those. I'm going to ask everyone to stand, please. Some of you may still be writing. Go ahead and do that. But as Pastor Lance and the worship team lead us in this song, I want you to worship. But I want you to take those. You can fold them up. You can do whatever you want to, okay? Nobody's going to be looking at this. As soon as we get these tonight, get rid of them. This is between you and God. I want you to take them, and I want you to step out, and I want you to bring them down here as an act of faith and go back to your seats. And I want you to sing these words in this song as an act of praise. And then we're gonna pray over these at the very end of those. Let's bring those down. Let's trust God tonight.
in this place we readily admit that we brought forward fears concerns storms circumstances uncertainties but tonight we release those to you we don't know in and of ourselves how it's going to turn out but we trust you and because you are resting with us, we can rest in you. That there's no circumstance or storm that causes you to get upset or causes you anxiety or causes you fear, but you've called to us to bring those to you and you would take care of those. So God, we trust you tonight. We believe in you tonight. You are more than enough. You are supernatural. You're above all nature. You're above every fear, every anxiety, every worry, every circumstance, every storm that we could ever face and the ones that we are facing now. And tonight we declare boldly that you are more than enough. And Lord, I pray right now that not only to our circumstances, but to our own hearts and souls right now, you speak peace be still. I pray tonight for those that have, that have been worrying and fretting, I pray that peace would begin to just settle into their hearts. I pray for those that are having trouble at night sleeping because they keep turning things over in their head, that they'll have the most restful night's sleep they've had in weeks or months or years. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, 
Lord, that as we walk through our day, that the thoughts that fill our mind are that you are more than enough. And God, we declare today that as you do these things, as you take us from here to there, as you take us through a place and even through storms, and you bring us to a place that you're going to show yourself not only to us, but to other people, Lord, and see your gospel and your good news spread to more and more people. We are going to be grateful and thankful that you not only brought us through the storm, that you brought us to a new place where we can witness your power and your glory and the gospel being spread. Thank you for including us, Lord, instead of complaining right now. Thank you for including us in the ministry that you are taking us through. In the name of Jesus Christ, we believe these things. Amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord praise in this place. Amen. Amen. So good to see you tonight. I hope you'll be here this Sunday. We are going to finish our miracle series. I'm going to talk to you about healing. I'm going to talk to you about what God can do what God often does, but what is happening when God doesn't do it the way you want him to do it? That God is actually still good in that. I'm going to just try to answer as many questions as I possibly can that you might have in that. So I want you to be here, invite a friend. This is one of those subjects that so many people are curious about and want to know, and I hope that God will help us to answer those questions and build our faith and hope in him this Sunday. Hey, before you get out of here, allow me the privilege to bless you tonight. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you folks. Love you. See you Sunday.